Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We have another nice show. A four guys roundtable with moi. Nice. Yes, nice. <laughs> I'm using the word nice. North Pat. Hey, Nitro. Coach Jeremy. It's a wonderful evening. The clocks got moved forward last night, and I'm stoked Ooh. because. So here's the deal. When it's <laughs> I'm, ninth, all in favor. I'm all in favor of being on daylight savings time year round, but that's me. Listen, at 9.30 at night down here in good old North Kakalaki, North Carolina, the sun's still <laughs> shining bright. While up there, you guys have no sun. So I will take that sun. It's beautiful. I love long days. I just lost an hour before I had to go to work this morning. That's the only reason I was booing. It doesn't matter uh, the, rest of the, the rest of the time. Huh, yeah, I mean, true. But... Yes. Other than that, I have nothing. How are you guys doing? Splendid. Great. Nice conversation. Let's move on. It's been a crazy ass Um, week. That's for sure. 10 weeks down, five to go. Yes. Countdown. Do you have a countdown on your phone? For baseball? No, that's uh, for tax season. Oh, tax season. Okay. Yeah. I actually got my my income tax return already. Me too. Not, 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 Not that this income tax season has been like any more strenuous than anyone's past but at my at my job we've had a lot of weird stuff go on like we thought we had a data breach because a lot of our returns were getting uh when we were sending them electronically they were getting rejected saying that like uh the tax return for this person's uh taxpayer identification number has already been filed uh we were getting like half of our returns rejected for that reason which is not good um, but we got confirmation this week that if there was a breach of some kind, it did not come from like our company. Like nobody breached us or any of our systems or anything. So at least we know we're not the problem. Um, but <laughs> something it's your problem, IRS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just it. It's like it could be the IRS, it could be Intuit, who you know does QuickBooks and Lacert, which is the tax program that we use. Not really sure. Um, and I guess in a way it's not surprising because I do remember seeing stories or saying about cyber crime like this was on the rise in the last year. And yeah, I guess, unfortunately, this pandemic uh, bred desperation for a good many people. And I totally yeah. get that. So many people lost their jobs and every other damn thing. But uh, yeah, to me, it's like, that's probably not the route to go because I think with this kind of crime, they're gonna find you eventually. So, Absolutely. oh yeah. So when I was uh, when I was going to work Friday, um, about half. So I have to. I just basically take two highways, two mm-hmm. main highways. So right. and when I get off the second highway, the my famous footwear is like. So I was probably half a mile from getting off, and traffic was stopped, and I was close enough that I could see they had a car pulled over with guns pulled and shit like cops with guns pulled on people. And one of the guys ran and he almost got hit by a car on the other side of the highway running. And we had to watch them handcuff each person. And they're like, one of the cops had a shotgun and everything, Joe, uh, guys, it was crazy. I've never been that close to anything like that before. They were, they were locked and loaded. They were like, <laughs> they must've did some crazy shit. Or the, had car looked like a, the car looked like a piece of shit. It was like an old, like Honda Accord with shitty rims on it and everything. Definitely looked like it's seen its better days. And they even popped the trunk 
And the one cop was sitting there with the shotgun when they popped the trunk and everything. Well, they must have had something very illegal hidden all over that car. There's a Honda Accord. There's a lot of places to hide stuff. Did you guys see, see the article about the SUV that got hit by a semi and like 10 people died because they had they were um, they were transporting people? Like illegal aliens across the border and I, shit like that. I, I I did hear about that. That is terrible. Horrible on so many levels. Yeah, I was like, but it's crazy that that's why those people were in there and they had like fifteen people in a freaking um, what was it like a, a I forget what kind of SUV. It was uh one of the really big ones, uh, like a freaking suburban or some shit like that. Just crazy, but. that's yeah i mean again unfortunately that's the kind of stuff that i think you gotta hear about because you know you know people are just going to be desperate and one reason or another for another you're just but yeah that's just that's horrible so my week my week ended kind of crazy because i took a half day on friday to start getting ready for on saturday uh because we were moving all my equipment upstairs to my bedroom so my wife can have her own spot and I can have my own spot since we both work from home. And then Saturday, we spent cleaning up and getting rid of some of the kids' toys that they don't need, moving Lucas's stuff, uh, some stuff up to his room so we could clean out this playroom because my daughter's having her 10-year-old, her 10th birthday party and she's having a little sleepover. And then she, my wife was cleaning up downstairs because we got a heat press. So, gentlemen, now that I have a heat press, um, we can make some T-shirts, some four guys T-shirts, maybe a couple hats. Anybody drink like mugs? Maybe I can make you a mug. So we got some stuff. So that might mean that on f- fans, you might have the availability to purchase some merch from us in, in the near I future. I feel like here. it should be all four of us with a picture holding up the four horsemen symbol. <laughs> it's four guys. So... <laughs> I mean, uh, that's just I mean, we could. That's just so hard. It's just so hard to believe that she's going to be ten years old already. And then, of course, I remember that in like about four months' time, my niece will be ten years old too. So, yep, it's crazy. The, the time it does fly. Yes, it was the fu- the funniest thing. Okay, so my daughter, uh, for some reason, she when she cracks her neck, it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like she does like this. She's like, <laughs> like two, pushes her head forward. And she's like, I'm trying to crack my neck. I was like, you look like a freaking chicken. What are you doing? So we're like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, circle your head, like do your head in a circle. Everybody knows how to do their head in a circle. And she's doing her head in a circle. And every time she comes around in the front, she's like this and like sticks her head out like a freaking. I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, look up at the ceiling. So I'm to see if she knows how to just put her head straight back, straight up and straight back she still she's like she does this she goes to put her head backwards and she does this and sticks her chin out instead of putting her head backwards she's like sticks her chin out. i was like what is wrong with you are you like are you part chicken like is this like are you trying i'm like <laughs> and then so my son starts walking around abby's a chicken abby's a chicken <laughs> that's funny i was dying so you make had- fun of me then I, well, I ha- and I had to put it, you know, well, this ought to be interesting. But so I had to put it in terms that she maybe understood. So I said, how do you spot? Because she's in cheerleading. So I said, how do you spot somebody and look up to make sure that they're doing okay? And then she actually put her head back like a normal person. And was like, I said, there you go. That's how you do it. And she's like, what? 
<laughs> like, oh my god! But it was just the funniest thing. Like, uh, you guys, it was just funny to hear my son walking around. You guys make fun of me. Chicken. Yeah, you guys make fun of me because when my my discs discs are bothering me, my mm-hmm. head's all over the place. My head's all over here. This I'm doing all this weird stuff, and my son looks at me. He's like, "What do you do?" I was like, "My neck bothers me." Oh. It just looks funny. And then he walks away. <laughs> like it's simple. But like my I'm all doing this. I'm like, I'm like, just my shoulders are doing weird stuff. And yeah, you guys make fun of me. Looks I do it for like a good five minutes too. I just can't stop. And so well, like my whole upper body like feels good. And I feel that my uh, sciatic fluid go from one side of my neck to the other and it pops and goes back over. That's got to be a weird ass feeling to be able to feel your fluid flowing back and forth in your neck. Yeah, because I have I have a bunch of spasms that go of like to the top, middle of my back of my head, all the way down to the middle of my back on the left side. I only have three on the right, but I have like eleven total on the left side. So I have like like six of them all up in this area. So when the the spasms get really bad, and I move, I can barely move my neck. And when I do, you, you feel the, it like pops, and you feel it go whoop. I just like feel it moving all over the place. And the doctor's like, yeah, that's what happens. And I'm like, yeah, that's not what I like to feel a lot of the times, which that stuff causes like my migraines and stuff to kick in. But yeah, you right. feel it kind of like flow through your neck from one side to another. It's yeah, that sounds terrible. Gerald, were you are you uh are you happy with Illinois draw or I'm fine. We got the third draw. Um, when Michigan lost, I, I I don't even think we needed to win the championship game to get the third. No, I think you were number one. one no matter what. But. We're going to be the third number one uh, just because of Michigan losing. But I was I was a little ticked off today. I was like, if we lose this game, <laughs> then we lost because of the refs. Like legitimately lost because of the refs. Some of the tacky fouls they called were horrendous. But we pulled it on overtime. That's all I care about. We won. You guys, I think Oklahoma State is underseeded at a four. I think they're dangerous. So, uh, they, they should have been a three. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You guys got a team that was underseeded that I think is better, and they're playing really well right now too. So, yeah, I haven't looked like I've glanced over the bracket and I watched the show after the, the Illinois Ohio State game. But I really haven't like dived into you and like look looked at the bracket. Um, I do say Creighton, I think, is definitely has a chance of not making it past the first rounds. <laughs> there's a high chance. I think there's a 70, 30 percent chance that they're gonna lose that game in the first rounds. Um, so I definitely would not pick Creighton in in my uh, first round bracket. I have to look at some other ones because there's some good matchups too. So it's going to be interesting. My brain is going to be full-fledged thinking at the bracket tomorrow. I, th- I think I'm going to pick Illinois to win the whole thing even. So hmm. I was going to pick Michigan uh, and then that Leavers got hurt. So like he's one of their best players. Yeah. This mustn't have been a be- good uh, basketball season for you. College basketball season for you there, uh, AJ. Cause uh... no, it wasn't, but you know what? I told uh, one of my friends earlier, I'm like, there's no pressure now, so I can actually watch the tournament and not really have to sweat because 
Duke's not in it. So the only team that really needs to be out immediately is Carolina and Ohio state. And then I'll, then the, then I, then I really won't care once mm. those two teams get beat. So. Well, yeah. Cause you're a Kentucky guy. Right. They, they stunk this year. Like this is yeah. the worst they've been in 30 years. They actually said this is the first time since 1976 that neither Duke or Kentucky's in the tournament. Yeah. That's crazy. When I saw, I was watching, where the hell was I? I was, Oh, it was for my daughter's last cheer competition. We were in uh, Lancaster area uh, and we were at uh, PJ's and Whoa. holy crap, <laughs> we got, we got Darth Pat ceiling. Um, and I was watching Duke and they were 19 and 15 or something like that. Uh, they weren't even that. They, they ended 13 and 11. So oh, like they're, okay. they ended 13 and 11. So. Hmm. I must've yeah, had that. Yeah. good. I must have had their their maybe it was hmm, that's weird. Must have been a different team that I that I I know I was watching Duke, but I must have got their um yeah um win loss ratio mixed up with another team that was on the screen. They they didn't know, play a bunch of games at the beginning of the season. They basically said we're not playing any of our non conference games, so they didn't play as many games as, as a lot as some teams did. But so. yeah, it was it was really interesting to see Duke be so bad. Um, uh, Kentucky was actually worse than Duke. And I, so, and I forget who they were playing that day. You're talking. You're talking about a week ago. I think they were in. Was it their tournament? Their individual tournament for their bracket. Well, they they actually back tournament. Yeah. They actually only played one game in that, and then got out of it because of COVID or whatever. They like didn't they? They were like we're done in the tournament. Mm. So they actually stopped playing. Yeah, they had a positive test. Mm, boy. So it's, it, it ought to be interesting. It's funny with that because so with Duke having that positive and dropping out, I think it was yesterday, yesterday or today, the university of Duke said like all undergraduates are like, are like on lockdown in the college because for whatever reason, Duke and Carolina have both been struggling. Like since I live on the East mm-hmm. part of North Carolina, I'm pretty much in ACC country. I'm oh, within boy. a 45-minute drive of NC State, North Carolina, Duke, and Wake Forest. So I have all those four major co- colleges. And that's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all I hear about, which is fine. It is what it is. But like Duke and North Carolina, the kids there at the colleges, just <laughs> they're all over the place. They're mm-hmm. all like some of the uh, two Carolina kids got caught at a party with no masks on and this, then the next thing it, it's just like they're all over the place just so celebrating after wins in the streets and all kinds of stuff just just not listening to what the school is asking them to do so hence why i'm not surprised that they had duke had a positive test because probably one or two of their kids went off and did shit they weren't supposed to do so yeah i'm actually i'm actually glad that florida state is in michigan's bracket because i was going to pick them to the final four anyways and now it makes it a little bit easier Mm-hmm. to pick them to the final four yeah true i mean they're a good team too they're ups and downs but they're a good team overall nice. yeah, i'm gonna tell you the bracket more tomorrow this is, just a, row, this is a year where it's not all the people you're used to so it's different teams like and it's gonzaga might finally win because i they actually are the best team on paper this year so yeah how many times has gonzaga been in and they get like maybe the elite eight or sweet 16 and then fucking lose they made it to the championship game once and they lost to pets to carolina so (laughs) (laughs) off to the tar heels i mean it's just i think one of the biggest things too is 
a lot of the college kids took advantage of the, the uh, staying, the eligibility, getting that extra eligibility if, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't want to go pro or some kids just looked at their pro stock and the MBAs were just very all over the place with their, you know, camps and all that stuff because of what was going on. So some of the kids weren't really getting a true grade of where they could or could not land uh, and like, are you, am I going to get drafted? Am, am I high first? Am I, I mean, a low first, am I a high or low second rounder? Am mm-hmm. I a, not going to get drafted? Like, where do I sit? And some, some kids, they were like, yeah, you, you might not get drafted. Some kids were like, well, you're middle to end of the second round. So some of those kids were just like, well, uh, let me just go back then. I mean, so there's a lot of teams that ended up having, you know, veteran guys come back and, you know, it kind of made a difference for a whole bunch of teams, which is good. But, you know, some other teams too, I think that were a lot younger that they struggled against a lot of the veteran teams that came back and put together runs. Well, the simple, Mickey, go ahead. The simple fact is, is that a lot of these kids go out way too early anyways. And, and yeah. a high percentage of end up playing in the freaking D and G league anyways, and or, in Europe. A, or in Europe and they never become a full fledged pro anyways. And the ones that do, most a lot of them are you know and you could speak to this better than i can aj but a lot of them are mediocre at best they're not even superstars in the nba very few of them I mean, are those superstar players there's been so many kentucky players that have went to the nba this last 10 years i mean they have probably eight players mm-hmm. that went there who are pretty good and then then there's there's they're, they're they have like I think there's 35 mm-hmm. or 36 players currently on rosters in the NBA that were, are from Kentucky. So some of them are just role players, but they mm-hmm. have probably six or seven guys who are studs. And like one of my, my friends, my other, some of my other friends have asked me on more than one occasion. They said, do you like Cal Perry? I said, yes. Is he underachieved in college? I said, yes, they probably should have won at least one more championship when you're getting that many blue chip recruits every year. But Mm -hmm. he's also the best coach in putting players in the NBA in the history of the sport. (laughs) He's put more players in the NBA than anybody's ever done. But he's coaching a college basketball team, and he's supposed to win. But it sounds like he's more worried about their future sometimes than he is about winning. So it's like a double-edged sword. It's like, I wish they won more, but – there's a lot more players in the NBA from that school than any other school. And I, I, I have a more vested interest in the NBA now because there's a lot of guys on a lot of different teams and they're, they're, they're all pretty good. Most of them, enough of them are good enough that they've made an impact. Whereas there's a lot of other schools that only have one or two guys. Maybe nobody's really got tons of guys other than Kentucky right now in the NBA. Yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting to hear, you know, something like that. And and I've always said that's the Calipari's credit that he's basically says to his players, like, you know, look, you know, if you feel like, you know, it's your time to go or whatever, you know, you got to make money or whatever, go and do that. Because you contrast that a little bit with uh, college baseball and the one, uh, you know, prospect uh, guy who used to work for ESPN and works for the, uh, the athletic now, Keith Law, he writes endless amounts of times about pitchers specifically who go to like big time college baseball programs and basically have their arms ruined because their coaches are under pressure to win and aren't thinking about like their long-term health benefits. So you see these stories about these guys like in the college world series, 
to throw 165 pitches in a game. Yeah, that's a ton of pitches. I mean, and I'm right. not one I to mean, believe in pitch counts, but that's a lot of pitches. Yeah, yeah. yeah but that's just it. But major league pitching, you know, major league teams don't let their pitchers throw anywhere close to that. But they'll throw like yeah. 165 pitches one day, and then they'll like be expected to like be available for like the next day if it's like a must-win game or something like that. So you hear about you know that too, a little too often in, in college baseball where where you know the coaches just ruin the guy's arm. So. I've always I've, I've never been a big fan of Calipari because I think he he's shady. I mean, he's pretty much been caught everywhere he's gone. But um, you know, except I, I've this always, time so far, right? But I I've, so I've, I said I've been, so far. Yeah, I, no, I'm just I'm not commenting on that right now. But it's just I, I do I do respect the fact that he is willing to say, hey, if you think you need to go, if you need to make money, you know, this you think this could be your best chance, whatever, blah blah blah. I'm not going to stop you. You know, so I actually. I, 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 didn't, I didn't necessarily – I didn't like him before he got to Kentucky, but I think I, I've learned to like him because he, he's snarky. And I like snarky because he's snarky in a good way sometimes. Like, he's not afraid to, like, call out Krzyzewski or call out somebody else or, or take a pot shot at the NCAA. Like, he's not afraid to, like, do that kind of stuff. And sometimes coaches are afraid, you know, we don't want to do this. We don't want to ruffle feathers. And he's definitely somebody that has yeah. said stuff that maybe, maybe most coaches wouldn't have, but I, I like his start snarkiness. Actually, I've, I've learned to enjoy his snarkiness. And uh, my friend Mickey Joe said he would not want to get in a fight in a dark alley with Cockburn. So he said that dude's a scary <laughs> motherfucker. So. What? It's Coke. It's his name's Cokeburn. Coke Cokeburn. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. That is a terrible last name. I feel sorry for that dude. Cockburn. <laughs> no, listen. I I I I said that too at first because when he he was a freshman, they just kept referring him to as Kofi. I'm like, how do you spell his like? Uh, like, how do you pronounce this dude's last name? Like, is it Cockburn? Is it Cokeburn? Like, 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 what is this? And it's like Cokeburn. It's like, okay, thanks. I was like, I didn't want it to be the other way around. Um, yeah, he's a big dude. He's 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 probably like the best. He's the best big man I think Illinois has ever had. I, I will say that hands down. He's and I'm, I'm sure that I mean we talked about this the other night. Pat wasn't with us. I'm sure this one we'll learn, we'll keep his mouth shut. We'll not make any anti-Semitic remarks like Miles Leonard. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, definitely won't. I'm telling you, I don't understand how you can use. We'll say the K word towards anybody and not realize that that is a derogatory term towards the jewish uh people and it was funny i saw bad sheltered kids i don't fucking know yeah what was really really funny to read and i'm sure julian edelman was very serious about this but he wrote like a tweet or some shit i forget what it was exactly but i saw the i saw the the post from wherever it was it might have been on instagram about inviting um, Leonard to a, a Shabbat so we could educate him <laughs> on fucking Judaism and why that term's derogatory and shit like that. I was like, oh I'm sure he was as shit serious as hell, but it's funny to read because he also says, I don't think you're an ignorant. I don't think you're ignorant. I think you were uneducated. You know, I don't think you're stupid, but you were evidently uneducated in, you know, anti-Semitic terminology and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm just like, just I'm, sure bad, bad I'm sure he wasn't. I'm sure he just bit. didn't 
fucking remember that he's being recorded on Twitch <laughs> and just fucking let that, it fly. <laughs> should make no difference. <laughs> should make no difference if you remember you're being recorded or not. That's just oh, ignorance. One hundred percent. One hundred percent agree. All right. Oh my god. <laughs> so with that funny little thing <laughs> brought up, I think it's time we should start our show. Right. Let's oh, and Pat's leaving Jesus, us again. Pat. <laughs> all right. Hold what, on. what are we doing? What are we doing there, Pat? This keeps happening. I don't want to allude uh, to anything, but what are we I doing? Think, I, think, I think the problem is, is that I'm balancing. I was balancing over the phone on a slightly. uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a shaky desk today. Yes, I, <laughs> I thought would be stable. Either that or the cords being tugged a little too. Uh, Tug. He said cord is being tugged. Are you sure that's yeah. what's being tugged? It's, it's, definitely, it's, definitely, it's definitely a cord issue. Uh, it's definitely not a cord issue. Oh, great. There, I think we should be good. That was yeah, fabulous. I, I was, he said tug. I, I, I was balancing it on this Blu-ray. So, you know. games. Oh, this whole topic of conversation is tonight there, Patrick. Thank you. What is our topic of conversation, sir? Before we before we do that, I wanted to ask you guys: Did you see no. this list that WWE.com put out about the ten greatest WrestleMania, WrestleMania matches? Events? I did not go look at it, but my curiosity was peaked because I felt like I was going to laugh at most of it. Okay, I, I think you will too. Let me. I'll, I'll give you the list from ten to one in a second here, but I'll just say this real quickly. I think they went for spectacle and historical, um, you know, value impact over quality. So that well, being that said, you're really surprise me. Yeah, yeah, it really doesn't. But that, that means this list is going to be a train wreck. <laughs> so, no, so number ten: Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, WrestleMania 19. Okay, that's decent. Number nine, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, WrestleMania 6. Oh, my God. <laughs> Number eight, Batista, Randy Orton, Daniel Bryan, WrestleMania 30. Um, um, okay. <laughs> Seven, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, slash Seth Rollins, WrestleMania 31. Fine with that. That one's fine being on there somewhere. Six, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, WrestleMania 15. So that's the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Five. Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, WrestleMania eh. 35. Eh. And not that yeah, that wasn't definitely. a good match, but it wasn't top 10. The yeah. problem was, again, we've mentioned it before. The, I know. The first women's main event. First oh, women's yeah. main event at WrestleMania. Right. So that's why I'm not surprised it's on there. But again, it's just, and it should have been a really good match, but just the awkwardness and, Randomness, yeah. if you were if the if the uh, the finish really unfortunately takes it down a couple notches in my view. We've said that before. Yeah, the finish uh, sucks. Number 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 four, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania twelve. Okay. okay. Number three, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania twenty six. Okay. Two, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, WrestleMania three. Rock Hogan one. has to be number one. And. Uh, no, I think because that was not a main event. Oh. Number one, Rock John Cena, WrestleMania 28. Okay. Mm. No. That can't be number one. There's better yeah. matches than that one. And I'm a and I'm a Rock and a Cena fan, and I can't put I, that number one. <laughs> I mean, oh, then. 
I thought their WrestleMania 29 match was better than their WrestleMania 28 match. No, no, I think the first one was better. I so. didn't think because I thought The Rock was way too obviously winded too quickly in that first match. So, yeah, he does but, get winded. First. But as my four-year-old niece Eleanor just said, "Damn!" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's like some of those matches. I mean, I. I think Undertaker Shawn Michaels should probably be number one on that list, personally. So, but I it's funny that you bring this up, Pat, because I wanted to ask you this anyways. I actually said this on my other podcast the other night. If if Brock hits the shooting star, that's the best WrestleMania match ever, I think. If Brock doesn't botch the shooting star, would you say, Pat, that that you could make an argument that if he hits that, that could be the best WrestleMania match of all time? I think you could certainly make the argument, yes. Okay. What I think this list also kind of proves, though, in a lot of ways, is that because when 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 they're saying main event, they were definitely going for you know final match here. There's been so many great WrestleMania matches which were not the final match. Mm-hmm. Rock Hogan, Savage Steamboat, Savage Ric Flair, uh, so. Bret, Bret Hart Owen Hart, uh, Bret Hart Steve Austin. You know, just the first Undertaker Shawn Michaels match. You know, just so mm-hmm. yeah, I could probably come. I could probably come up with a list of ten matches. That were not the main event that are better than that list of 10 matches oh. with the main event that's that's and, probably a, a good point Pat. and and that's why you can't ever go by wwe putting out their own best of list of anything because it's completely biased on what probably vince says i want this 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 is our list <laughs> i so. don't think i don't think vince bothers himself with something like that i don't either I, but I think it's it's I think it's more possible that the people who put this stuff together know what is in Vince's mind, or at least could predict it in a way where they're like, "Well, this is what Vince would put on the list." So, oh, okay, so I'll it, give him that. And even like even today, I saw the poster for WrestleMania, and all the people like like McIntyre's on it, and Sasha and Bianca okay. and um, Edge, but. Bad Bunny's on it. No Seth Rollins, no Randy Orton, no Kevin Owens, no AJ Styles. None of those people, but Bad Bunny's on it. And I'm like, okay. And it's well, they're trying to reach out to the market. I understand it, but it's also not fair to those other guys to be left off there because of some celebrity person that might put on a good match, but <laughs> the jury's out on that. I'm going to go so, with probably not. Well, I mean, he, at best. he likes wrestling and he – Everything I keep reading sounds like he's training and he wants to do this. So if the guy wants to do it and we get something close to Pat McAfee, more power to him. If the guy gives me what Shaq did, I don't want it. I don't give a shit. So <laughs> I mean, that's, some of the guys you mentioned about not being on the poster, it's like, yeah, you, you that's it's weird about how they're not, but at the same time. Seth Rollins really isn't in a program right now. No. And it Randy Orton is the one. Randy Orton is the one person that is going to be in a match at WrestleMania. Those other guys, who knows yeah. at this point? So yeah, that, 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 that's just it. Like I read something the other day, it says that they don't really have the WrestleMania card final card finalized yet, and I'm like, no, they said that Vince like that. scrapped a bunch of shit like three weeks ago. They went back to the drawing board apparently. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> This is can't not good it. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Once in his life, he said that. 
can't can't keep uh, going back to the drawing board repeatedly. At some point, I think you just gotta you just gotta have faith and. I, I don't fucking know. It depends on who's drawing the picture. If it's a four-year-old kid, you probably have to go back to the drawing board a couple times to figure out what the hell they're drawing. And I, I, I always I, know what my four-year-old niece and nephew are drawing. I ask them, what's that? They tell me what it is. I take their word for it. I, I, I agree. I, I, <laughs> I think it was uh, pretty priceless on Talking Smack Saturday morning, too, when Paul Heyman's like, Christian ran to AEW because he didn't want to deal with Roman Reigns. I know. That is fabulous. Technically, that's not exactly what he said, but, I mean, that's what he said. That is fabulous. Even even though we all know it's not true, that is Heyman being Paul Heyman. I mean, he used used something in a positive way to (laughs) shit on Christian, but yet, (laughs) you know, put up Roman Reigns, you know. Because it was good. It was good improvising. I was was actually talking to our other friend, Pat, two nights ago. And Pat said, how is Edge and Christian versus Roman Reigns and Jey Uso not the main event at Fastlane? And I I don't disagree with him on that. Like, I think that that should have been. It it doesn't need to be a title match. I think it should have been a tag match because Edge and Roman is already done. So now they're like, Clouding the water on that. I'm afraid Daniel Bryan's going to end up in that match. It's going to be a three-way now, and I don't want that to happen. So, well, you and me talked about that like a while ago. <laughs> like we're figure out who who Edge was going to go after, and we talked about you know Roman. I'm like, oh, you know Roman, Oose, Edge, and Christian. Like, how do you not put those four into a program? Like, Pat's the other Pat's absolutely correct. Like, how did you not do that? And you just like Christian be like, go ahead, do do whatever you want to do. They just Sorry, we digress, Jeremy. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's the, the obvious reason is because they've never given that much shit about Christian. Yeah. At least, at least, at least Vince has it. You know, remember, we always heard that thing about Vince saying about like, oh, he's just so ugly. Can't we just put a blue dot on his face? Yeah. Ridiculous. All right. What? They did. I did see that they said potentially though Roman and Edge is the main event at WrestleMania, and Kenny Omega and Christian could be the main event at Double or Nothing, and that's like AEW's WrestleMania. So, yeah, that could be possible. AEW did not have a WrestleMania. Well, they something that that's their their biggest the pay per view they try to bill as their biggest one. Is what that, I'm saying. That's great. It's good for them. So everyone, uh, tonight we are talking about War Games. Oh, is we're that what we're talking do, about? <laughs> Darth Pat threw up the disc that I have sitting oh, right okay. here next to it as well. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm, like, well, I'm all over the place with the camera. <laughs> I'm right getting here. sick. Oh, my God. Right <laughs> we are going to do a little comparison trash. And we're going to talk about the first War Games and then NXT's version of the War Games from 2019. Yes, not 18, as I got confused a couple times when I was trying to make sure. Listen, 18, 19, whatever. (laughs) Actually, I don't think there was a War Games 2018 or what? There is. Oh, there is. I couldn't find it it on the network. I was probably looking under the wrong thing for that. It's okay. But that's all right. I watched the right one. That's the most important thing. I watched the correct one. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about (laughs) it. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) I'm going to be this uh, uh how can i put it so 1987 war games and 
I'm we're, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt on everything because this was the first time they'd ever done this. So they did not necessarily know where the camera should be. There's definitely stuff that we you can't really pick on them for because it was the first time they were doing it and they didn't really know. I don't even know if they completely knew everything that was going on. I think right. they just kind of jumped in head first because I've, as I've said to Joe, when LOD tries to do their finisher, they realize, oh, there's a ceiling. We can't put them up on our shoulder. So now we have to do it sideways. Yeah. And when they did that move, they screwed up. They 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 um separated his shoulder or broke his collarbone. It was one of those two. <laughs> so Paul Ellering, uh, not Paul Ellering, uh, JJ Dillon, JJ Dillon. Uh, got the uh, bad part of that move. I, so I don't so, know if they really practiced or did anything. I think they just kind of jumped in face first, dove in, and just kind of ran into problems during the match and said, "Okay, we're going to." I enjoyed it. This. So let me let me just set this up for everybody that may not know much about the sorry, first war games. Sorry. No, that's okay. And I, I might have uh, Darth Pat jump in here, our local historian. Um, so the two teams <laughs> that were part of this was the four horsemen, including J.J. Dillon, uh, which was the manager, I guess, sort of say, mouthpiece, yes. which they didn't really need a mouthpiece because the four horsemen had – mouthpieces uh, except for Lex Luger except, except for Lex, Lex Luger except for Lex Luger so this was this reiterate this iteration of the four horsemen did include Lex Luger so it was um Ric Flair Lex Luger um boy oh boy help me out here Tony Blanchard, Blanchard Arn Anderson and Arn Anderson um and then the other team that was part of this was the dream team so you had Dusty Rhodes, you had LOD, you had uh, Nikita Koloff, right? That was, mm-hmm. yes. okay. I was trying to remember uh, because they don't really mention his name too many times in the thing, and there was no, you know, words across the bottom to yeah. say who it was. <laughs> so uh, Nikita yep, Koloff, Nikita. and then you had Paul Ellery in there because he was the manager for LOD. Um, and that just right there, when I saw the managers were actually in it, I was like, oh no this could be very very bad um just for the fact that managers normally don't get in the ring um sometimes they were never wrestlers sometimes they were and weren't very good so they just prevent went to managing um so i was a little concerned about this match um and i'll just say in the beginning it looked really good i thought there was really i thought it started off well really good you had um was it Tolly Blanchard was in first with? Oh, Dusty and Arn were in first. Oh, Dusty and Arn. Thank you, Dusty and Arn. Tolly, Tolly came in after. Yeah, right. Tolly, Tolly they came won in the after. coin toss and, and Tolly came in. Yes. Dusty, Dusty Arn, Dusty Flair, Dusty Tolly. To me, any combination of somebody, one of those three guys with Dusty is fine because you want right. your guys that can actually wrestle in the beginning in the first five minutes of that match. Right. You want the guys that can actually wrestle the best. And for the most part, Dusty Rhodes had than upper hand almost the entire time. What I did really like, and I made a note of this, is I like the fact that he used the top of the cage and ran yeah. his head across the top of the cage because everybody runs it across the side, but he actually ran across the stage. And like within two, maybe a minute and a half, Arn's got blood. He's already got color. He's busted open. Didn't take long. <laughs> um, so I'm going to kick that's, it over to Darth Pat. That's kind of like the much. theme. That's kind of like the theme of this the older war games yes. it's more about the blood and the, the the gore and like that kind of stuff and whereas when we get, 
Yes. When we get to Orange the other was one, a hell of a seller yes, in that match. When we get to the other one, we're going to talk. It, it's kind of times have changed to where it's not about the blood and stuff anymore. Yeah, selling is really good. I saw just anybody being thrown against the cage when, like, um, Big Hawk was the first dude from LOD come in. He takes Tully Branch and, like, yes. he's, like, got it him wrapped animal. around his legs. It was Animal yeah, came in first. Oh, Animal, yeah, Animal's first. He grabs him around his legs, and he's, like, going like this. Yes. And he's, like, Tully's just hitting the cage. And they're just, like, selling the shit out of it. He threw Tully, like, over the ropes, and he, like, sold flying you, over you, both you ropes. You did have... You did very have some good. of the guys who are very good at selling in this match. Yeah, yeah. If you take the two managers out, you have guys who are top-notch sellers. In yeah. this match. Yeah. They so, had the right te- they had the right guys for yeah. that time in that match, minus the managers. And Listen, pa- Lex Paul Luger is pretty bit. jacked. Uh, yeah, Luger. He's he's a little all over the place. <laughs> I felt like he seemed lost out of most of anybody in that match. He seemed yes. lost. Yeah, but you can That's cover him up really with seven, eight. Not you can cover him up with uh, eight other guys. So. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Ellering, though, he's a pretty, he was a pretty, he was in a couple at that time. Yeah. yeah, he was a pretty bad jack dude. He was, he was, he was worth those weights with LOD, I guess. Pat, yeah, what do you, what do you think, Pat? Well, I mean, Paul, Paul Ellering and JJ Dillon have been wrestlers in the past. I mean, Ellering more recently than, than Dillon at that point. I think Ellering had suffered an injury. I believe that, you know, really ended his interim career, mm-hmm. you know, to a large extent. But yeah, he was still able to participate in that. But, yeah, a lot of the things that you guys are saying or, or have already said are true. Yeah, it was it, it was very much meant to be a spectacle of that time and of that era, and blood was a part of that, especially in yep. Southern wrestling. If you want to, you know, <laughs> go to that. And WWE. <laughs> yeah. Well, WWE would use blood sometimes back, but not like era, WCW not, did. <laughs> yeah, not not like not like Crockett or wcw or like mid-south or like any of like the uh other like like southern type promotions that um you know you had some of the best bump bumpers in there like arn bumpers anderson, too you had good bumpers too arn, arn anderson and tully blanchard are really two of the best bump takers and obviously blair too and the, the funny thing about that of course is you got two guys on the other side whose whole gimmick was basically that they didn't sell a fucking thing uh <laughs> in, in the road warriors we got uh, to see a flare flop or two so yeah and and again nikita koloff was never meant to be a, a bump taker either he was always meant to be like that impervious guy too so um but yeah they definitely had like the right order like yeah you start with arn and dusty then you know Tully came in then hawk came in then um uh then flare came in then uh i don't remember if it was nikita or, or i'm sorry i said yeah i said hawk went animal I don't remember if Nikita or Animal came in. Then like Luger Nikita. was the second last guy on on the Horsemen, and then obviously the managers are going to be last because you know the match doesn't begin until all ten guys are in the ring um, <laughs> and all that. So you know, obviously like the managers are going to be the most vulnerable members of their team. So like they have to be the ones who are in the ring the the last. And obviously Luger yeah. had Luger had the least experience of anybody too. And and you could almost tell that sometimes Luger really looked like he wasn't really sure of what he should be doing at any one mm. given time. So uh, that wasn't his fault. He was still really, really new at that point. Like he hadn't, he hadn't been in Jim Crockett promotions that long. He hadn't been with the horseman that long, mm-hmm. but he hadn't even been wrestling that long at that point. I think maybe only like a year or two. So yeah, he um, was the guy, he had the, he had the million dollar look of course, but he didn't really have the, uh, 
the, uh, the package the, to go with it. Yeah, he he didn't. He didn't Why are you talking about his package? package? What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the one who always referred to himself as the total package here. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure. We'll ask Miss Elizabeth. Oh, sorry, we can't. Oh, oh wow, ouch. that's a bird. Ouch. Bird. Lex Luger's a dick. <laughs> I still said my blame. Oh, let me let that. me let me correct that. Lex Luger's not a nice guy. <laughs> that, it was really funny because they all came out to one music and they fucking sat in chairs like there. Oh. That was so like that was yeah. so like not not like just not organize them just sitting there in chairs watching i was like wow so well yeah speaking of thing, music and, and like god what the fuck did the dream team come out to that music was damn stupid like it was terrible i'm like what the no hell is clue. this synthesizer like space music like my what the hell guess, is this my guess is that they came out to something that they couldn't uh um get rights to anymore right they, 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 they could that they couldn't put out on, on like a published media or whatever so that it was it was dubbed over that's that's my guess pat's probably right about that it was terrible yeah <laughs> it was like this it was so awful. odd yeah i mean there's 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 usually some pretty bad dubbed over music on, on a, uh wcw's music NWA slash WCW. It's not like they had a lot of tra- uh, generational themes that we'll remember for the rest of our life. So it's, I mean, once once we yeah. got to the NWO and stuff, but early not late eighties, early nineties, there wasn't a whole lot of good music coming out of there. So yeah, I mean, one of the one of, one of one of the one of the best theme songs that NWA had at that time was the Midnight Express music, which was taken from the Midnight Express mu- movie. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, but anyway. Um, I forgot what I was saying. Before. You were going to talk about the. Cha- I was talking about them sitting in chairs around the ring. Right, right. Gonna... Um, I, that was very much. I think it was much like in the way that you were saying about how they didn't really know right. where to do and right. stuff. It was. It was was literally them figuring it out as they went. Uh, and I think that was part of it too, because I think when you looked at the few future versions, it might have even been as recent as soon as the one that they did, like the later that month, in in the Orange Bowl, where the War Machine. Big ball spin in a mask. Um, so, you know, I had to sub in for Dylan because of Dylan's injury. Uh, I don't think they sat at ringside waiting for their turns. I think they were all standing. And like any other subsequent War Games match, you yeah. see they're all like standing on the outside, like at least the of the of the NWA WCW version. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, but what I thought was really great about the match is that I mean, this is another product of the times. It's just it, it's astounding to think of how close they are to the crowd. When they come walking mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, and how far away the crowd is from the wrestlers now, like, you know, we're obviously, yeah. we're, we're talking pre-pandemic, but, uh, you know, there is that distance between the wrestlers and, and the audience now, which there just wasn't back then. It's like, and you wonder why there were riots back then, uh, <laughs> uh, when they could True. get that close to when they could get that close to the guys. Um, but the great thing about this first match was the crowd was into it from the bell. I mean, yeah, just yeah. Like they, they legit they, were. They, they literally I responded to everything. Now, obviously, the business was so different back then. You didn't see like the super cards so often the way that you do now and everything. But again, the crowd ate up everything. And oh, when yeah. you have a Hype crowd, the go. Yeah. And when you have a crowd that that's, that's that hot, even if the quality of the match is lacking in places, you're not going to notice it as much. 
And I thought that was something that was an interesting contrast between these two matches. I'll talk about it more when we get to the NXT one. Is that I actually think that the crowd was more into this first one than they were I, in the NXT. I, one. I, I that one I don't agree with at all. So well, I don't disagree I'll, with you on I'll, that. I'll, I'll explain that further when we get there. But I just really felt that the crowd was was really more into this match. And I think another, and again, this is my opinion. I think another reason why that is that because everybody wanted to see the four horsemen get theirs. Mm-hmm. You know, no, you know, yeah. like, there, there, there were people who cheered for the horsemen, you know, occasionally and everything like that. But I mean, the vast majority is like knew that the four horsemen were, were the heels, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're the heels. You're supposed to boo them, goddammit. What the hell are you doing cheering for the heels? Yeah, what's um, wrong with you, AJ? <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, hey, but, I, yeah, I, I, it was cool. Long, I was doing it way before it was cool to do it. So yeah. yes, you were. <laughs> uh, but uh, but so everybody wanted to see the horsemen get there. I mean, and and this was like the way for the horsemen to get that's, there. That, that's true. You're right about that. So 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 that's that that's what really helped for it too because I guess you could almost call it like a bloodlust from the audience in a way too. So like when they see Arn bleeding, when they see Tully bleeding, when they see Flair bleeding, that's just going to get him more hyped up. You know, when they see JJ getting getting his head rammed into the top of the cage, and when they see JJ being used by the Road Warriors as a freaking battering ram into the side of the cage, and when they yeah. see them picking them up for the Doomsday device, and of course not, you know, and and then just dropping him right on his. Oh my god! I should I should made my dad watch that bump today because he hadn't seen it, and he just went, "Oh, he's dead." <laughs> yeah he took it a couple times too and i was like oh yeah. shit that's yeah. the old school version of oh man and, and, and the funny thing was i i had him watch the uh the sid pillman power bomb from the 91 war games match after that too so he could see that bump that's Oof. a different subject i mean but. it's it's very possible that in some way shape or form that maybe is potentially why there's no roof on the war games anymore no, I mean, I, I can, I can understand, I can understand that. Of course, uh, my take is I much prefer it with the roof. To me, it's like it's not war games without the roof. But I think there's a couple reasons why WWE hasn't done it like that, which are obvious. I mean, one is Hell in a Cell, like that's their yeah. thing. Uh, and and two, I think is because I mean, as we'll again talk about when we get to the NXT match, it's about doing a spot. So. Yeah, it's not um, doing spots off the top of the cage now. That's one yeah. of the things that's changed. Right. So, so, I mean, was this a great technical match? Hell no. Was it meant to be? It was meant to just be oh. a brawl. It was meant to just be guys like, you know, going in there. The just crap like, out of each other. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. pound on each other with fists and, and bionic elbows and, and kicks and, you know, just slamming them into the cage and throwing them from one ring to the other. And, and I'm sorry again, like when when Animal throws Tully from the one ring to the other, and Tully just goes flying. That's just that's just one of the all time great, like you know, kind of funny spots that you have. They just yeah. to just you yeah. just watch Tully really just take off. Yeah. So and I think um, another thing, I, nothing. Go ahead, go ahead, Theo. Go ahead. Uh, no, so I was gonna, I was going to make a, com- uh, a comment about the blood. When you look back that that match, I think there was three people that didn't have blood. I don't uh, Paul Early. Paul Ellery, I don't remember seeing him with blood, but he might have got blood because he no, Flair he took the no, he didn't. Okay, so Luger probably didn't. <laughs> I don't think Luger yeah, did. Luger didn't. Hawk uh, didn't, sure. and I don't I, think Nikita Koloff did. Those I'm four guys, sure about, I don't think ever got blood. Yeah, I'm not sure about the Road Warriors. Animal might have. Animal I, did. I remember seeing Animal had blood at one point in time. I don't think Hawk did. I don't think Nikita did. Uh, and yeah, I don't think either one did. of those two did. 
but the, but that was that's that's the whole thing too. And uh, I mean, again, that was like yeah, it was a war games match you're expected to bleed. I mean, again, I I also went and watched the uh, the '92 war games match today because that's one of my favorites and one that you know people say the best. And you know, like half the guys in that ring were all were all bleeding pretty good. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's just it's yeah. just it's just expected. And and one or two of the faces might might bleed, but it's like it, you want to see the heels bleed. You know. Yeah. So I had, go ahead, Joe. You wanted to make a point. Yeah. You know, it was just, just watching that match was, it kind of made me want to watch some eighties wrestling, to be honest, <laughs> especially like it really did, especially like LOD. Cause I forgot how vicious Hawk was in the ring. Mm-hmm. Like when he came in, like he, it's not that like, I don't think he was like, he was being like, he was stiff in anybody, but he was just over aggressive. Like you see guys, you know, Irish whip him into the corner you know they go over run into him or whatever and then they, they grab him they're they're doing this hawk hawk is going all the way back like he's turning his body and he's going full-fledged you it's just and his chops were hard like he was just very he was very vicious with his moves it was kind of crazy and i started watching his mother stuff i'm like wow this is really fun to watch i really enjoyed <laughs> i just kind of like they're one of the i you know of course we talked about tag teams but like they were really good and like extremely vicious in the ring. I was like, holy shit. Like I need to start watching some of this old stuff again. Are you just saying just vicious cool. intentionally or are we saying this? Do we keep saying vicious intentionally? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Joey, the stylist, do we keep saying vicious intentionally or? So what you're talking I, I, about. I think, I think, you know, Hawkeye. Joey the stylist. Like he, I don't know who that is either. <laughs> that I, I Joey the stylist? Like, I don't like, remember that like, person. Like, I always felt like Hawk like maybe didn't know his own strength sometimes, but you know, the way that he knows could also be hilarious. Cause like when JJ came in the ring, you know, he goes like up to Hawk and he like throws like this right hand at him and Hawk's looking at him like, what was that? <laughs> I think he's, did he, did he like do a chop on him too? And he, like, yeah, he's just like, Hawk, yeah. Hawk was like, he's like, he's like, did I not just land on me? You know? <laughs> he just beats, it was you know, funny. He's yeah. to beat the shit out of him. So. Yeah. So I had a couple other there's a, points. There's a part where Nikita Koloff does a double clothesline. I always liked when Nikita Koloff did the double clothesline to two people. So back then. He's another on he he was another. He was really good too. Another wrestler that is he in the Hall of Fame, Pat? Nope. Nope. He's not. Nope. I think he should probably, be. Probably, probably because he's a guy he 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 never worked for Vince. Yeah. That sucks, man. He was he was really good. I liked I him. I definitely liked him when I was a kid. He was a guy I really liked. Yeah, and of course, the I mean, the interesting thing, of course, about Nikita Koloff just being in this match is, I mean, this is eight months after Magnum TA's car accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if Magnum TA never had that accident, of course, Nikita Koloff never would have been turned face, and right. that would have been that, that would that would have been Magnum in that match, which might have yeah. actually made the match. Not taking anything away from Nikita Koloff. But it might have made the match better because Magnum had a lot more history with the Horsemen, especially with uh, with Tully Blanchard um, going yeah. back to the Quit match uh, for the U.S. title at Starcade. So, um, just you know, just just always something that I always like kind of think about when I watch that match. I'm like, man, what could it have been like with Magnum? Yeah. So I want to kind of wrap up War Games 1987, but I wanted to make a couple points and see if you guys had anything to add to them, and that was. When there got when it got to be eight guys in the ring, it got real chaotic. Like there just seemed to be way too much going on. They couldn't. For... They they couldn't because they were. It was new. 
like when the camera was outside trying to pan in you it was hard it was not like they that's the problem i think the camera them learning where the camera needed to be i'm mm-hmm. sure it got better that was the first one where it, the more people got in the ring it got harder because the cameras weren't always in the right place and i don't think and they were doing it on the fly so i don't say oh shit maybe <laughs> let's try this camera let's try this camera yeah. sometimes none of the cameras were were working <laughs> and they were not always ever in the right because when animal was had Tully and was doing that thing to him like you see half of it they're like in the middle of the ring and you can see what's going on in the the ring into the right but in the left they're all the way up and it's like the camera's just not you see Tully coming like back <laughs> but you don't really see him full-fledged hitting the the cage really but you can tell he's like selling the shit out of it but it's like oh there's a great spot right there they're missing but they it, yeah it's just them not knowing what the hell to do and the and the last point i wanted to, to make and this will kind of wrap up uh war games 87 too is I thought the strategy was really good. Like once the managers got in, it was okay. Keep the other horsemen, keep the horsemen busy, beat yeah. up the manager and get him to be the one the that one submits. Quits. But I also yeah. think that made it for a very weak ending. Now, knowing that JJ Dillon actually got legitimately hurt makes a little bit more sense, but it still made it a weak ending to the way that match, you know, how good that match was for that time period and and how innovative that was it made it a real weak ending to it in my opinion. i i i would have preferred if ellering was the one who made jj like submit and not lod but i mean it was his tag team who did it i guess but i i kind of thought that might have been something that could have been a little bit better for an ending but maybe the injury kind of like sped that up because one might have because once both managers are in there, I think it's what three, it's four. Not five, it's less than five minutes, probably. Yeah, yeah. three, four minutes. minutes, and then the match is over. Yeah, it was real. So that quick. could have been it. The match, the match itself. If you take the entrances out, the match is only like twenty minutes. If you take yeah. the entrances out, because but I watched it again today, and at about the four, the one on daily motion, at about four and a half minutes, the match actually starts, and it's over at twenty six minutes. So it's it's about a twenty one minute match total. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it though. I liked watching one, it. One of the uh, one of the problems I, I kind of did have with this match is is like you were saying, like yeah, it was like the whole point was to isolate JJ, make him be the one to submit and everything. And this might have been again just because of the chaotic nature of the match. It was the first time they were doing it. Blah blah blah. You didn't really see or get a sense that any of the horsemen were like, uh-oh, we need to go save JJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was no urgency. Yeah, I mean, like, like Flair was really, over there for a little bit, but... Yeah, you really you really didn't get a sense to say that like, that, like, any of them were, like, over there, like, actively trying to, like, you know, pr- protect him or anything. Uh, and so that, that, that hurts it a little. Um, but that's also one of those things that, again, you could kind of just chalk it up to... Well, this is the first time we're this is the first time we're doing this. So when we before that this will be it. Mr. Mr. Big Dog Dave Meltzer did give this match five stars. I, I think it was well deserving. I thought overall the match yeah. was good. The significance of the match made sense. Like I said, the only thing you take away only personal takeaway is the week ending um yeah. for it. Yeah, I, 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 I like yeah. that. I, I might be tempted to rate it just a shade below five. Um, I could also understand why you would rate it five at the time because there'd been nothing like it. Right. So, yeah, yeah. They were ahead of their time making a match. It's fine. Like that. 
if anything, you could move it down to 4.75, but I don't think any lower than that. So, yeah. but I, I, it's fine because I think it, it, it set the table. Mm-hmm. Like it set the table for, you know, it's just like the first time there was a hell in a cell match that set the table. The first time there was a ladder match, they've all set the table for more. If you do the match once, like the ready to rumble garbage, and it never happens again, then clearly that didn't work. So this one is another one that works. So you have to give the first people in it credit no matter what. Even if this match was a pile of crap, I would still give it credit because it it, it started something. It was was the initiator of War Games matches. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, If you you mentioned that ready to rumble, like the, the, the triple cage thing, yeah, the the one that the, the more egregious, worst example of that were WCW was what we right. the, 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 the Tower of Doom one, the the, the Hulk Hogan, the one with Hulk Hogan and Savage trying to go through Hulk, ten people. Yeah, the one with Hogan and Savage beating every heel on the roster, triple cage, whatever the yeah, supposed that to hot be. mess. Yeah, <laughs> I watched the other Tower of Doom today, the original one. That wasn't that bad. I actually yeah. enjoyed it. Was it was uh. Interesting. Where was that? Never seen the Tower of Doom matches. That was Great American Bash, nineteen eighty-eight. All right. So we're gonna wrap. We're gonna say we're done with the eighty-seven War Games, and before we move on to the two thousand nineteen War Games, I wanted I I want us to do this little thing that Joe sent us. Okay. Um, so oh, since oh. Joe since Joe sent us this, so make sure cool. you guys pull it up. That was fun. Um, Joe, you can go first since you decided to send this to us, okay? Because uh, I'd like to I'd like to know what yours are. Okay. But, oh, my, my, just to, just to preface it, this everybody, this is a who's in your faction. This is a uh, AEW uh, little put together thing where you pick you know from three different categories and you match up and you get your own little yeah. like three guy faction. So I found this on, it was on Twitter. It was on AEW's Twitter feed today. Um, it was today. So it's like, like Jeremy said, who's in your faction? So it's your birth month and they have random wrestlers in your birth month. It's your favorite food and your favorite color. So um, my birthday's in May. So I have my first guy is John Moxley. Um, my favorite pizza. And I didn't pick this because of the <laughs> wrestler who was on it. My favorite pizza is legitimately pizza. So Sting is is on there for pizza. And uh, my favorite colors in order are blue, red, and black. So blue is my number one. So Cody Rhodes is my other one. So I have Moxley, Sting, and Cody Rhodes. Nice. For my three-person faction. All right. No, AJ. I didn't pick Sting because of pizza. He was on pizza. Pizza's <laughs> legit. <Yeah. laughs> mine, mine, mine's stupid. And as soon as I saw it, I looked at the colors and said, of course. All right. Go ahead there, sir. You could go next then. <laughs> Since you so my birthday's in November, so I got Ricky Starks, which I'm fine with because I like Ricky Starks. Okay. My favorite food Ricky is... Starks is good. My favorite food is steak, so I got Ray Phoenix, which is fine. He's not my favorite, but it's fine. But then my favorite color is purple, so of course I got Miro, and he's awful. I don't want him anywhere near my faction. Oh, Miro. No, I, I, looked, your second I looked at color. the list, and I said, of course, every other color except for purple is somebody I'd want in my faction. So that's the way it <laughs> worked. 
<laughs> I mean, you got you got two good two out of three though. Ricky Starks is good. My favorite color today is orange because Kenny Omega. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Whatever. <laughs> but purple is. You guys all know purple is my favorite color. So yes. It's not like I can pretend it's not. But of course, Miro was attached to that because that's the way it would have to be. All right. So oh. mine, uh, my month is April. So I got Darby Allen. Okay. Uh, my favorite food is tacos. So I got Jungle Boy. And then my favorite color is blue, so I get Cody Rhodes. So I got uh, Al- Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, and Cody Rhodes. Yes, my, mine, yeah. is, mine is by far the worst. Of, even after Pat goes, mine is going to be the worst. So no questions asked. Right, Miro's in Pat. mine, so it's over. As soon as Miro was in it, it was over. Jesus. At least I didn't get Lance Archer, because Lance Archer and Miro then would have been, oh, my Lord. <laughs> what do you got here, Pat? Oh, well, I mean, birth month is February, so I'm stuck with Luchasaurus. With <laughs> the raw Luchasaurus. Uh, favorite food, I don't know. I have a hard time picking between pizza, burger, or steak. So it would be Sting, Hangman, Adam Page, or Ray Phoenix. Um, just to be different from what we've already said, I'll go with burgers so that, that way it'll give me Hangman, Adam Page. And favorite color, is, yeah, it's either black or red. I'm not picking red because of who they put on there. So Jade. <laughs> I'm, 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 going, I'm going with black and Sammy Guevara. <laughs> Once I, I will state my case again. Mine is the worst of the four, like for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going with red and picking, and, and ended up with fucking Jade Cargill. So sorry. All right, we're gonna have to put this uh, a link to this tweet. So that we can get our fans, so fans, so you yeah. guys can let okay, us know what your faction would be for all you wrestling uh, nerds and geeks like us out there. We'd like we want to know what your guys' faction are. So we'll make sure we put a, a link to this tweet out there so you guys can check it out. I'm gonna I'll post it up in there. That's all funny. right. I just thought it was fun. So let's talk about War Games 2019. Um this had I love this match so i love this match i've watched it so many times i, love, I know I love this match, you're, you so. already got your pants are already wet just thinking about this match we know <laughs> but this match was the undisputed era which um matt uh sorry AJ. It's, it's it's adam cole Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong. Thank you, because I always miss – I can never remember the two tag team guys because they're okay. unimportant to me. Um, so this does differ from the 87 War Games in the fact that it's not 10 guys. It's only eight guys. So there is a difference. Just that difference right there, it makes – can be a big one because we don't have any managers getting in the ring. Uh, the second group was – Team Champa. Team Champa. So it was Tomasa Champa. It was um, Keith Lee. Di- Keith Lee and Dijakovic. Dijakovic. <laughs> and a mystery like, person. And a mystery person. Dijakovic. Yes. Yeah. When I saw Dijakovic, I was like, who the hell is this guy? Like, <laughs> you really have to watch NXT, NXT to know to know who that is because it, he's not on the main roster. He I don't even know he's with the company. He anymore. is on T-Bar or whatever in Retribution currently. He's pretty bad. Like, in Retribution. <laughs> he's he's not a bad wrestler. His, his whole shtick in NXT was fine. I didn't love him, but he was fine. Mm-hmm. But he's they've ruined him completely on the main roster. So. so this match starts off with 
Roderick, Sto- uh, Roderick Strong, and Tomasa Ciampa. And, and I got to say, right there, you have, besides Adam Cole, you have probably the two best wrestlers in that match in the ring. Yes. And I thought that was a great way to start that match because Roderick Strong is such a good technical wrestler. And the he's, fact of all the damn backbreakers that he does, he's like the, I forget what they call him, the, the professor of black backbreakers or I, they kept, they, they mentioned it a couple times. And Tomasa Ciampa is just, uh, if you've never seen him wrestle, you need to watch him wrestle. He is just a hell of a wrestler. Strong is the guy that's like the redheaded stepchild that always never gets quite there. Like he, he's like the best wrestler that never gets credit for being as good as he is. Because mm-hmm. when you're an undisputed, you're always taking a backseat to Adam Cole, no matter what. Like you're so Roddy's kind of the the redheaded stepchild that it was cool that because at this time all of them had belts too. Yeah. So the undisputed yeah. prophecy was in in full effect because all four of them had belts. So Roddy had, had just won the belt from Velveteen. So yes. So this match really starts off real well, and then of course, Undisputed Era gets the upper hand because they got the first. They want a match. They, they, they want a match on the previous episode of NXT. Adam Cole fought Dijakovic in a ladder match, and they won. So back back in '87, they just flipped the coin. Now we've progressed to an actual match. Right earlier to decide like a week before to decide who gets the advantage right they and flipped a coin <laughs> <laughs> you know so how the heels always won the coin flip almost yes. always yep yes almost. uh and then uh you had though one of the guys from the tag team come in kyle uh, o'reilly came kyle, in next kyle o'reilly uh comes in and i thought it was a great two-on-one beatdown like it wasn't like in '87, uh, just to reference the '87 War Games. Um, I felt like Dusty Rhodes was able to beat up two guys at one time. Like they got a couple shots in, but Dusty Rhodes controlled two guys at one time, which was kind of weird to me. But in this, Tommaso Champa, Champa is getting his ass beat by the undisputed error, which is how it should be. If you got a two and one advantage, you should have your ass handed to you. You shouldn't be able maybe getting a couple licks here and there and, you know, uh, you know, get some, uh, you know, the baby face comeback, but you shouldn't be able to beat their ass and like control the match. So I thought that was very, very well done uh, and thought out by the group of guys that were in the ring. There is no roof. We should preface. There is no roof now. Yes. So, and, and that was one of my takeaways. Like, I just personally prefer the roof. I think that makes it a little more dangerous looking. I don't know. Um, but the other thing I noted that is I, and we're, no, we're not going to see it in WWE, but I think because it is a cage, because of the, you know, the, the, the danger of the cage and, and people going into the cage, there should be blood. But like I said, we know we're not going to see that in WWE. But if it was old WWE, I think we would have seen blood. Where now we're just not going to, no so matter yes. how hard or how many times guys go into the cage, which is, you know, maybe a little far fetched that they don't get cut because it is a chain link fence. But you can like, if you're going to do that though, then you it's not just this though. You have Hell in a Cell, you have Steel Cage, you have Elimination oh, yeah. Chamber, you have all these matches where they don't do blood in any of them, so you can't like. 
you can't use that against something. I'm not using do it. it any of their matches. Yeah, let, let me let me let me let me digress a little bit. I'm not taking that away from this match. I'm just saying I personally believe that there should be blood, like in any kind of cage match, there should be. I so I, so I, I'm not I, taking I that too. away from them. So. so that's not a takeaway. That was just a, an observation. And they're also uh, in cages at the top of the ramp too. The, the yes. teams are in a cage together, like there's two cages. That's that's definitely my favorite way that they've done this. I, I prefer mm-hmm. the guys being in the cages together like that. So yeah. I think, I think overall they did a very good job of putting this together. I think they um, modernized it to what WWE wanted. And I think oh, as far as an overall fan uh, way of being able to see it, it made more sense. Cause not everybody was so crowded around the ring and you couldn't like they panned away from the ring when there wasn't something going on necessarily to show the guys in the cages and then, of course, the next time the next person to come in was Dijakovic, um, which was interesting because he kind of reminded me, like, as you guys mentioned about Lex Luger being new and not really knowing what to do. Like, there was a point in time when Dijakovic comes in and he's like putting up his leg in his hand. Like, I think he thought he was supposed to get hit and block it and look more like he was trying to dance. <laughs> He was, he was definitely, you are the weakest link. If you're going to pick the weakest link of a match, it was definitely Dijakovic in this match. So he was for sure the Lex Luger of this match. Yeah, definitely. Joe, Pat, anything to add at this point? Um, no, you're spot on with that right now. Okay. The cages at the top would be fine if they didn't do the entrances the way they did. Okay, the, I get that. The, the undisputed era comes out. They do all their posing and, and all that shit, and they stand there. And then you know, one by one, Keith Lee and Dijakovic and Champa come out, and you know, Champa just goes straight to the ring. And of course, you know, the mystery partner doesn't come out and everything. What's the point of having them so close to each other up at the top of the ramp like that? And then put them and then put them in the cages. No, no, no. If you're going to use those cages, Undisputed Era comes out, they do their posing, they do their whatever. Before any of the other team comes out, they go in the fucking cage. And the one guy, I mean, that's fine. The, the guy's going to start goes to the ramp. So I just thought that was stupid. Um, I get that. That can make makes sense. One thing that I don't think we talk about enough. Um, I, I also say I, I'm in favor of the roof on the cage because it gives you a more claustrophobic sense. It gives you a more confined sense of like, you know, this is where you are, this is where you got to be. One thing we don't talk about often enough, though, is WWE's rings are bigger than Crockett, WCW's ring. Mm -hmm. And I think that takes a little bit of the um, urgency away from the match in a little bit and that there's a little bit more space to work with so it's not quite as closely confined to you know to, to everything else so that it just it makes things seem a little less impactful to me that was that's that's something that i felt when i was watching it and see I, thing- i'm on the opposite side with that because i think with the bigger rings it gives them more room to work which is a yes. good thing 
everything so they can I agree. camera I agree camera wise they can see they can move the cameras around more and stuff like that i mean there was one time they can't because there was a camera in the ring that the camera guy got hit and you see <laughs> yeah i mean it helps it helps with the tv presentation yeah but i i feel like it, no, it helps because then you don't feel like everybody's on top of each other then you don't because that happened in the first one there were times where you felt like they were trying to not get on top of each other that definitely happens in that one where you're like okay you don't want to there's more room to work with so it makes it easier for them to not like this group that's beating each other up doesn't get mixed up with that group that they're beating up unless they're supposed to so it, I, I think it helps in that instance too well so. I, I feel like that's they do that to themselves like, like I mean especially in a match where it's four on four with two rings there's really no reason why you guys should be like bumping into each other or stuff like that so I think it's maybe poor spot planning i i don't know um one other thing that bothered me was the three minute intervals uh again i felt like it just created less urgency and it, it it dragged it made the match drag a little bit in spots where it didn't need to and this is what i was talking about with the crowd reaction i felt like the crowd was popping big to the big spots or to like when the next guy came in and everything but then there would be parts in like the intervals then before like the next big spot happened or the next guy came in where the crowd was pretty quiet and they weren't really responding to anything. And there wasn't really a lot of stuff that was happening. So I felt like that took away a little bit, it just they weren't able to maintain the momentum quite as well. Um, just, just, that's what the, that's just the way it struck me. Um I, I still don't agree with that. So I think that that's the best crowd. NXT has the best crowd in wrestling. Like to me, it's not even subjective at this point. It's, it's a no brainer. And that's a Chicago crowd to boot. So you've got yeah, NXT well, in Chicago and those fans, I watched that match and I enjoy that match because of the fans. They helped me make that. They helped me NXT fans sometimes make a match with a four and a half, a 4.75 because the crowd is hyped. And the, I thought the crowd was hyped in that match. I just watched it a half hour before we did this. So I, I don't, I don't agree with you on that. So. Right. And uh, half the time when the crowd was reacting to anything, they were fucking chanting for Keith Lee when Keith Lee wasn't even in the goddamn match yet. Some of, the, me, some of the time they were, which tells me that they're not paying attention then to what's going on in the ring. So, so I so, feel like that they just were not fully into it. And I feel like at the track, so, so when I watched it, they were definitely into the match, but there were definitely, as I was watching, there were definitely lulls where they weren't necessarily cheering or reacting to something. There were definitely, and they weren't big. They were very small periods where I didn't hear the crowd like cheering or doing something where in the 87 one, like I felt all I could hear was the crowd um, throughout the whole thing. So I, I, I agree with Pat to a point, but maybe it wasn't as big as maybe he feels it was like, maybe it was, you know, I felt it was very small points where the crowd was not necessarily doing any something. And there was weird points where they were chanting weird stuff. And I was like, what the hell are they chanting that for? Like, I don't understand, but that's because I don't necessarily watch NXT. So I maybe didn't understand the chant that they were doing. All right. So then it gets to a t uh, three on two where um, AJ, what's the, the name of the gentleman? That comes in 
He's the uh, other Bobby half of the Fish. Bobby, Bobby Fish, Fish comes in. Which the other thing that I thought was really weird when both Bobby Fish and O'Reilly got out of the cage, it like took them a second. They're like, okay, I'm out of the rage and now I'll run down. Like they didn't just like run. They like kind of, oh, okay. Da, 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 da. And <laughs> it was kind of odd. It just struck me as odd. But Fish comes in, another good three on two beat down, which it should be. They have the advantage. It should be a beat down. There should be no. And they did. They did their. They did their their tag team move uh, right. uh, at least once or twice during that session. Yes, um, and then of course Keith Lee comes in. The crowd kind of pops for Keith Lee. Kind of. No, the, the crowd. He was. He was a per, He was the person that they the the face. He was the face. <laughs> that people liked at that point. So yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with the fact that the crowd was popping for him. Yeah. I would, I would have not, I have never popped for that guy. I will never yeah. pop for that guy in my life. So I don't understand. But like I said, in this match, he did fine. When he did the leapfrog over two people, that's impressive for a big dude like that to leapfrog two people. Yeah. So. Yeah. So he comes in, he does his big, some of his big man stuff shows off some of his, ability because he jumps off the top row or no i don't like when he does that smack i think that move is so stupid and the crowd eats that up and everybody loves it and he does that like double i think that move is so corny yeah like he did the double cross body which is like stroman's you know get these hands thing that drives me up the wall yeah so you know he does his thing you know they get the you know it evens out a little bit but for some reason um you know that the uh, undisputed error still keeps it down because they like knock out two guys and they and then they beat up one guy and like they keep going back and forth to kind of keep everybody down and of course Adam Cole comes in he gets a big pop because everybody loves Adam Cole, dude he got a huge pop because he kept throwing tables in the fucking ring that place went ape shit and so was, I'm like when's he gonna stop <laughs> yeah so here's my thing with the tables I don't under for the type of match that that was. Like I understand they want to take it up another another level. Like I always get that, and things have to progress. But there, I didn't see the necessity for it because of the talent that they had in the ring. I didn't see the necessity for the table, and it, I don't know. For me, it kind of took something away from it when it wasn't necessarily needed. But yeah, you know, see, that's I like when he when he does that because the crowd was like at one point when he I think when he puts the third or fourth table and they're like chanting thank you Adam. So clearly the crowd wanted the tables because yeah. I think at one point they must have been chanting for them because I heard Ronaldo say the crowd asked for tables and Adam Cole gave him tables. And this is a Chicago crowd. So it's very possible that we could hear a chant at some point where they were asking for tables. Yes. I, I was okay with the tables. I wasn't really, I was a little different. When, I, I didn't mind it. I didn't hate it. I didn't mind it. I liked what they okay. did with I the mean, tables. Good stuff with the- I liked what they did with the tables. Even when that, when Cole, when Chapa threw Cole through the table, it looked like it backfired initially. They're like, "Oh look, he put this table in the ring, and it blew, and it really blew up in his face." Ultimately, it blew up in all their faces. They put all the tables in the ring, and they basically went through all of them. Yeah, no, I mean, what they did with them was, and it made sense, and and how it was, it was built. Um, did they need to do it? No, they really didn't need the tables, but I mean, it worked for the spots they they put them in. So I was yeah. fine with that. Yeah. I just I mean, don't want them to like overly use the tables and be too much tables. And that's what that I was worried about. Yeah, that would have taken away from it. The the, the tables were basically substitutes for blood. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. That's one hundred percent right. Yeah. I one I I 
I don't know. I haven't agreed with a lot tonight. I agree with that. But that's the new age blood. <laughs> Tables and high spots and stuff is replaced blood. And yes. it, 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 then it gets down to what you would rather see. And I would rather bleed. see. I would rather see the table spots and, and the blood doesn't excite me that much. I, I don't, it's, it's just another spot. Blood's a spot, just like going through a table is a spot. So, okay. so then of course the mystery guests, this, you know, is there, you know, is there a fourth man? Is there not a fourth man? And nothing happens. And they're like, see, there is no fourth man. Well, ah. they, they showed Adam Cole, right. And, and Adam Cole and Kevin Owens are really good friends in real life. They're like really good friends they made sure to pan to him right, right after Owens comes. Like you see Cole's right. face and he's like, Oh fuck. Yes. And then of course the music hits and it's KO and the fucking crowd goes ape shit. And for good reason, because one, he was on NXT and was, you know, really good in NXT. And now he's up on the main roster and you don't see at that time, a lot of main roster guys come down to the pay-per-views for NXT and have him yeah. come down, be the fourth guy, huge pop. Um, and I had a feeling it might be him. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to say I 100% knew. It was definitely a discussion that I had with, of my, with like Zach and my other friends. We knew, and I was actually at work. So I was not watching this match live. Sakamoto texted me and he said, holy shit. I ran to the back, went to the bathroom and watched it. Cause I'm like, Kevin Owens is there. So I just took his fake dump to watch it. <laughs> I got to get shit, guys. I'll be right back. I knew it as soon as it, right, even what's going KO, on? it just said, Holy shit. So I'm like, I'll be back in a minute. And I was in the bathroom watching. I'm like, Holy shit, Owens is here. And Owens comes in, rips shit up. Adam Cole takes an amazing stunner and sells the fucking shit out of it. Yes. Yeah, he did. And then, uh, so from there, you know, we get a whole bunch of a whole bunch of crazy shit happens. Uh, one thing that I thought was a little overdone, they had so many super kicks. Like I think Adam Cole super kicked six people. He's like, a super kick person, so like so it was a little it was it's it was a move that got overdone in my opinion. I mean that's um, that move's been overdone in, in wrestling in general now. So right. everybody remember when Shawn Michaels was the only one that did a super kick? Yeah. Now everybody and their mother does it. Yeah. Um one thing yeah. that was very, very scary when to watch. Chris Adams did a super kick and he didn't have to slap his leg. <laughs> there was no, I don't. Wait, um, what? <laughs> there was one move Shawn that Michael really, really scared whole, me. Shawn Michaels started the whole slapping his leg when doing the super kick thing, but gentlemen Chris Adams, oh, yes, when he yes. did the super kick before Shawn Michaels did, he never had to slap his leg. He was able to hit it with the way that you know sold the impact without the additional leg slap to you know make it sound better yeah yeah you know i gotcha so a couple things happened that scared me when i was watching this match some of the moves um there's a point where roderick strong is getting thrown by keith lee and dijakovic and they're supposed to throw him over <laughs> both sets of ropes into the undisputed era but they don't fucking barely make it over the first set of ropes I was yep. like, oh my God, he's going to die. Cause he like <laughs> <No>. literally goes <laughs> over the top Christ. of the first rope and then head dives between the, the second and third rope on the second ring. I was like, oh my God, like these guys are supposed to be the strong guys in this fucking match. And they can't throw this little tiny guy over two sets of ropes. Like, come on. It was cool when uh, yeah. Roddy did the Olympic slam to Keith Lee off the ropes. That was yes. cool. That was yeah. very cool. Uh, the other one that was just looked bad is um it was adam cole 
and um, KO in the middle of the two rings. Oh, dude, that was awesome. When he did the Canadian Destroyer, that was one of the best Canadian Destroyers I've ever seen. He did it on the fucking middle of the thing, on the, on the steel. And, uh, and, I, and I'm sorry, you're going to not like this, but that was probably one of the worst Canadian destroyers I've ever seen because he barely even makes it over. <laughs> like he lands on it, the ba- on like between his back and his ass, he lands there. He doesn't even get all the way over like that to me. I'm watching, watch I'm like, man, again. that's a Canadian destroyer gone wrong. I don't think, I, I mean, that's not what I thought when I saw it. So I knew he was going to do it too. So I, I didn't, I didn't think it looked that bad. I mean, obviously it's going to be a little limited by the amount of space that they have, but I don't think it looked right. bad. I think that the, uh, the way they shot it helped too. I mean, he teased doing the package pile driver. Like even the crowd was popping when he was teasing that he was going to do the package pile driver. And yeah. In WWE's main roster, nobody's popping on the crowd because they don't know that that's his finisher when he was in PWG and stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. that was cool nope. that the crowd was popping when he was going to do the package pile driver. Yeah, I was interested to see him do that. Like, I was like, ooh, this is going to be cool. Yeah, no, I, I knew nope. what he was setting up for. No, nope. but... WWE told him the minute he walked in, no package pile driver. <laughs> yeah. So, um, those were the two things that I saw. Uh, that really like scared me just because it looked when like i said when he did the canadian destroyer he didn't get all the way around i was worried no, that he didn't. adam he didn't cole get all was the way gonna around, like just, hurt himself just, just them doing that and trying to do that in that sequence was like i'm like jesus christ they're trying to do this here yeah so i'm yeah. like you know owens isn't an easy guy <laughs> to be yeah. be on the either end of that but there was one really really funny line that um and this is where my uh, non-knowledge <laughs> my uh what was the main announcer's name it was um maro ronaldo ronaldo yeah. yeah and i love him like when i get he's to awesome him, he's, he's so awesome good. um not as good as joey to stylist but let's keep going <laughs> okay <Who? laughs> i thought you were um, gonna say joey he said joey the stylist <laughs> <laughs> exactly joey um, the stylist he says ronaldo says when keith lee gets k- punched in the balls or <laughs> he's like attacking the peninsula south of the equator <laughs> yes, i was dying was when he said that i was like that is awesome like i have to write that down <laughs> he's such a good line he has yes. so much energy he he looks he, he's the one announcer that you can 100 tell wants to be doing what he's doing like he I, it's a yeah. shame that he's not with them anymore because i've never heard anybody like him the stuff oh, yeah, he dude. says he has, he has like bipolar disorder and, and all kinds of stuff. And, yeah, he and has just, some issues that he couldn't control. But he's he he like he he said this once about Ricochet. He is the gift that keeps on giving. Mao <laughs> Ronaldo is the gift that keeps on giving. And when they did the Canadian Destroyer, the crowd did the Mamma Mia because that's Ronaldo's thing. He does Mamma Mia when something crazy. So it's like when I would. Only let Pat say, "Oh my God!" Once a night, we're not the, well, the crowd will only do "Mamma Mia" once a night, and they chose that moment to do well, the "Mamma Mia." And it was really funny too when he's going, "Holy bleep, holy bleep!" <laughs> like I forget what the heck happened, but he's like, "Oh my God, holy bleep, holy bleep!" I'm like, "That is really funny because he knows he can't curse, but he can do." <laughs> there's there's like videos you of him on the YouTube. it's awesome there, there's like videos of him on youtube where you can watch somebody just has the camera on him during matches he is going crazy like during takeover new orleans he's yeah. like standing out of his chair throwing papers everywhere because he's like oh he's my so god animated. what is going on 
So there was a lot of good back and forth once all the four guys were in there. Uh, A lot of good stuff happened. Um, And we get to probably the craziest spot in that match. And it was really scary. But the thing that took away from that spot for me was how long it took to set up. And I understand why it takes so long to set up because, I mean, you don't want to kill anybody. But because of that, it kind of took away at to a little bit, not a ton, but enough that it's like, okay, we know there's a spot coming up, like something's going to happen. Well, like, they panned away from them for a while, which at least they didn't have the camera on them. They panned away and did a bunch of other table spots and let them get up there. If mm-hmm. they had been on them during some of that, I would have been more, but they panned away from them and, and had all the other table spots. Like when, when O'Reilly or Dijakovic's got O'Reilly's got him in that arm lock and then he sets him on the table and Owens like frog splashes him or whatever. That mm-hmm. was cool. So yeah. so they, they did. You're right, Jeremy. It's hard to set up. It's just like when WWE wrestlers do the Spanish fly. That move drives me nuts because they're both waiting to get perfectly their feet settled and everything mm-hmm. to do it. So it's like it's like you're stuck. It's like you can nitpick and say it took forever to do this. I don't really like the Spanish fly, but a lot of people love when people do that move. But it's another one that takes a long time because yeah. you got two guys on the top rope and the crowd is chanting, please don't die. So <laughs> yeah, the crowd knew what was coming because they were chanting, please don't die. And we chanted yeah. that at our pay-per-view at, at CWA a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> and these yeah. guys were definitely doing something way crazier than we ever did. Yeah. No. So the, the spot was cool. Um, I just, for me personally, I was like, I don't think they needed to do that spot to end the match. But like I said, that's that's my personal preference. I you know I thought it was because of how long and, and everything like that. And my personal preference, it just it, it wasn't necessary. They, they could have done something different because the, here's the thing with that, and, and this is why I say that because now where do you go? Like the next the next um, war games where do you go from here you've already added tables you've already done the crazy spot off the top of the cage like where do you go like what else can you do like you're supposed in my opinion you're supposed to build up to some of the crazier stuff like not just do it in the first one they didn't really do anything as crazy this year they they did less crazy stuff i mean mcafee was in the one this year but they did less crazy stuff Mm -hmm. but Meltzer, yeah. Meltzer gave this year a higher rating than last year's. Like the one we watched, he gave it a 4.5. He gave the one this year a 4.75. And I didn't like the one this year as much because I think they like took a step backwards, almost like you're saying, Jeremy, they, they plateaued kind of. And now yeah. they're like, what do we do? So what you're saying is right. I still think it's one of the coolest spots I've ever seen in it, WWE. It, so. And I agree. I, have, I, I wrote down cool spot. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I put. Cool spot to the end of there's, the match. There's a lot of spots in a lot of wrestling matches that people don't need to do, and they do them anyway. So yeah. I mean, I I could go back through history and say, why did they do this? Why does Jeff Hardy have to do a swanton in every single match he's in off of a ladder? Like you could start yeah. nitpicking into everything. At least this was right. something different that I'd never seen somebody do before. I think that's probably if I see it again. It's not as cool, but seeing yeah. it the one time made it cool. Don't do it again, though. Yeah. So overall, I I personally, because of the athleticism and wrestling ability that happened, uh, the the wrestling that happened, 
I personally like the 2019 better than the 87, but that's just my, like I said, that's my personal preference and how I like my wrestling. I like my wrestling a little bit more uh, drop kicks and, and like more wrestling moves than like what the 87 woman was, which was more like punch and kick and, you know, rub guys heads and stuff like it was very, you know, old school, which fit the times, you know, it fit the times. Didn't mean I didn't enjoy it. I just enjoyed the 2019 better. AG, as I kind of think I know where you're going. As, as did I. So, Theo, but I, one, I also like the other one too, though. So I, I, yeah. I enjoyed the other one because I watched the other one. Probably, a, I, I mean, back then we didn't have access to that stuff. But the yeah. first chance I got to like watch it on VHS, mm-hmm. I watched that War Games match. So because VHS, <laughs> it was cool at the time, and and you you really have like, so if you go back then. And you look at the guys that were in that match. Mm-hmm. You do have, I think it's a it's a little bit better representation of of the best guys back then because mm-hmm. Flair and Koloff and Dusty and the Road Warriors and Tully and Arn. It's like six yeah. guys who I think are really, 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 really good wrestlers. This one, it's a little bit less. I don't think Dijakovic is anything special. You guys know I don't really think Keith Lee. He's fine, but he's passable. Yeah, I, but I don't. I don't think I'm there he's... with you, Keith Lee too. I'm not a big I, fan. But like Adam Cole is on another level. Chapa is pretty awesome. Seeing Kevin Owens, who's another guy that's on an and whether you like undisputed, whether you like Fish and O'Reilly, they're the best tag team probably in NXT history up to this point. They've won the tag belts more than anybody. So. They're, they're, they're a hit or miss thing. I like yeah. them a lot, but Fish is kind of hit or miss with me, but I really like, I do like O'Reilly. So I think they have guys, a couple guys who are really, really good at what they do right now. Yeah. But I think there was more quality guys in the first one than there was in this one. So I can agree with that. Theo, which, uh, which one did you prefer out of the two? This one's <laughs> challenging for me. Um, <laughs> I like both styles mm-hmm. of both of them, really. Joe, I enjoy... Joe definitely would be Joe definitely would be the person that would be the both styles person on the of the of the four of us. I, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I like both styles. I just um, is right because I've enjoyed every single NXT War Games they've done. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, even even the women's one was I thought yes. that was an awesome match. Um, I think for me though, I, I feel. I understand why they don't do it because they don't want to have every single cage match in WWE with a fucking roof on it. I just, I feel it needs the cage. I I feel it needs a top. But if you want this generation of guys to have specific spots, raise the roof on it, make it taller. So they're able to do more stuff um, inside of it to get those bigger spots and whatnot. Because the hell in the cell has been a tall, it's been a short one. That that fucking cage has been multiple different sizes. <laughs> so I mean, if you could do it with that, you should be able to do it in war games to give those type of athletic guys more of an ability to do more stuff. Um, I kind of lean a little bit towards the the first one, just because I, I really enjoyed all the selling and all the chaos and. Um, I like blood too at times, and you know, <laughs> how do you how do you not uh, vote against a flare flop here or there? No, I'm, it is what it is. Um, but uh, maybe the smidge more for the first one. 
than the NXT one, but not by much. I'm saying like 4.1 to 4.0. Like if I'm really going, you just that really route. like those type of matches. Let's just put it that way. I do. I do. I love cage matches. I legit love cage matches. And War Games was awesome. Like when I was a kid, like think about it. You know, that was that was old NWA technically slash WCW AWA right, I was, bullshit. I was 12. And you were was, like 11, Joe. So that's like when we yeah. were kids. And that's and that, and that and that was just like innovative. Even even when I was watching the Tower of Doom, which was in 89. Uh, yeah, was it 89? 89 you know that was something crazy and innovative that they did i was watching that and you you see the top and the you know they have it all cabled up but it's still like shaking and moving that was just something different and that was that type of stuff always caught my eye and made me like uh engage into wrestling more so just a little, the, little bit more the lack of one. the lack of blood much? In, the lack of blood in all cage matches in WWE drives me nuts. I've just accepted it at this point. Yeah. It's, 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 you're right that I think cage matches need blood because that's the point of them, but they yeah. stopped doing blood in cage matches five or six. I, I just accepted it and I don't really worry about it anymore because it's not going to happen. So it, yeah. it, it just sucks because like you watch like their cage matches now, Hell in a Cell, Elimination Chamber, you know, even, even NXT War Games, like, you see people being thrown <laughs> into the cages. You know, you have someone's like head there and they're stepping on it and they're like, your head's still kind of rubbing. And, you know, it, 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 someone has to bleed at some point, even something small. I don't know. It's just That's like, how do you Brock have Lesnar all these great matches? The, getting it blood the hard way. Yeah. He's like, Brock, he's, like fuck, he's like, fuck WWE. Punch me or do something to me to make me bleed. <laughs> Yeah, I don't care if they find I mean, me five thousand dollars. They paid me a million dollars for this match, so who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, I mean All it's right. it's just one of those things. Like, geez. So, Darth Pat, go ahead, go ahead, Darth Pat. What go is your powers. preferred match? Eighty-seven or two thousand nineteen? I mean, overall, top to bottom, start to finish, I prefer the eighty-seven one, and that's yeah for some of the reasons that I already mentioned. Uh, I mean. Just to kind of finish up my thoughts on the 2019 match. I, the the lack of the roof on the cage ended up not bothering me because that last spot was pretty awesome. I, I will I will not deny that. Um, it, was. It, does it was dangerous. Me. It was very dangerous. And... Yeah. It does it does it does bother me that they use uh, tables, you know, to try to sell the impact of the match since they're not going to go with blood. That that does bother me. Uh, pinfalls bother me. In this match, I much preferred it the way it was with just, you know, submission or surrender. Yeah, but that's the uh, same fucking thing. So that didn't make any sense. So, submission or surrender that, they're, that you're fucking either way you're giving up. Like, <laughs> so that made no sense right, to me. But so, the, but point it is, is the, point, the point is, the point is, somebody had to give up. You know, somebody had to basically say, you know, I quit or whatever. It's know, more of so. a dramatic. Yeah. Uh, right. The, the, more, the overall dramatics of the match. Which yeah, I get what you're saying. yeah, somebody somebody had to say like you know I quit or basically be you know damn near killed by an errant vicious power. But it's it's like it's like a steel cage match. I want to see somebody climb out to win, but people pin get pinfalls in that yeah, steel cage matches. I would rather yeah, see I, somebody I, climb I out. I don't I don't like that about cage regular steel okay. cage match either. I mean that's fine for Hell in a Cell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but of course the thing is they always leave the goddamn cell anyway. You know, but. Uh, yeah. I yeah, I've always preferred escaping the cage, you know, for regular cage matches. 
Um, and there was one other thing that really, really bothered me about this match, about the 2019 match, and that was the announcing. Mauro Ronaldo annoyed the ever-loving <laughs> Okay? Yeah. You talk about his energy, and that's great, and that's great that he's got the energy, but it seems like he is spending a lot of that energy on getting himself over and not what's going on in the ring or, or, or getting the wrestlers over. And I got to tell you, I really get fucking annoyed, especially as somebody who does not watch NXT regularly. I really get annoyed with he calls something and then all of a sudden he's shouting some like catchphrase it's not his job to get one of these assholes catchphrases over it's his job to call the fucking action and get them over by what they're doing in the ring not by like you know shouting out whatever their catchphrases i wish i could remember an example but there was a couple times he just he's just like shouting some random phrase and it's really just, uh, it really, really just detracted from me. Beth Phoenix is not great at announcing either. Her she's voice, not. I'll agree with you on that. I think she's her, not good. Her, her voice just does not have a sense of uh, uh, urgency to it, or, or I, I don't really know how to describe it. It's just. And I found this about Renee Young when she was doing announcing on Raw and on pay-per-views, too. It just seems like there's something lacking in their voices, which, I, I don't know, it just it doesn't add to it and everything. Um, Nigel McGinnis, I thought, was okay. That's probably just because I like listening to British people talk about wrestling. Um, <laughs> so random. But, yeah, so. But, but he also doesn't, he also didn't really say anything that was, you know, all that, all that great or anything. He usually doesn't. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with Wade Barrett's class. better. Yeah, I, I mean, so I did not have. I mean, you could you can make the argument that all WWE announcing just sucks right now, though. So um, that's again, I'll blame that on Vince. Uh, so I I like this match. I thought it was good. I thought that they uh, they they definitely uh, they definitely left it all out there. Um, I mean, Roger Strong is kind of funny because I remember watching him wrestle. You know, back in like the early days of, of TNA, you know, like shit, you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago now. And it's like he hasn't aged much. So that's that's for his credit. You know, he doesn't look all that older. Um there was definitely and, and this isn't to say that I felt like he 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 was bad in this match or anything, but Dijakovic kind of sticks out like a sore thumb to me among among the other guys that were in the match. I told pretty, you he was I told you he was the weakest link, so he, he's yeah, definitely he, he just he just kind of stood out a little bit as being like the one who's like, yeah, he's got a he's got a decent look and everything, but he doesn't seem like his skills are up to the, the snuff of everybody else in there around him. So yeah, um, yeah. So again, he like, was like I Luger in the first one. Yeah, Luger he was he was the Luger. Yeah. So I mean, I I don't like some of the things that they've changed since the original War Games concept, but it wasn't this wasn't like the 1998 Call Brawl. War games, if you remember what that train wreck was, um, in terms of just like totally changing the parameters of the match and everything, so they didn't do anything as horrible as that. Uh, so yeah, I thought this was pretty solid. I just prefer the 87 one a little bit more. 
Okay. And, I like and, and I'll freely admit that a good part of that is I'm probably just more familiar with those guys from 87 than I am with the NXT guys. Too. I, I like the, the, the changes. they I, I prefer the way they've changed it. Other than I, I, if they went back to the surrender, that, that would be fine. The pinfalls. I don't, I don't like pinfalls and cage matches either. So I probably am more inclined to be on, be okay if they were to just make it submit or surrender. But when there's no blood, it's harder to do that because then you can't like bust them open with weapons and stuff. I think they probably had to change because they got the blood away. I think if they were allowed to bleed, they would still be, be able to do the submit and surrender. I think the no blood. Thank you, John Cena, or whoever's to blame for no blood. I feel like Cena oh. figures into this somewhere. Um, well, yeah, Cena yeah. didn't like to get color. I think Brock busted him open on purpose The one on that the match that they had. He was like, I'm going to fucking kick your ass, and you're going to look like you got your ass kicked. Because <laughs> he literally elbows him in the fucking forehead and, like, just <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, I think Brock literally did that on purpose. <laughs> Obviously, I am because Kevin Owens is in, was the surprise person. I, I definitely have partialness to this match because for that was a really cool like surprise. Like, there's yeah. not a lot of really cool surprises in wrestling anymore. They're very oh. few and far between. Even if you don't like him, if you like NXT, him going back to NXT, like Jeremy said, that was a really cool like premise for them to do that with him. So, absolutely. All right. One, one, other, one other quick thing I just thought of while I was watching the match. Um, again, I, I don't feel like that they were really holding back or anything. And obviously, the guys are taking sponsor tables and stuff. But they probably were holding back to a small extent because they were talking about how they all had matches like the next night at the yes. series. Yeah. That's just insane. Right, and and Adam Cole went out the next night and had the best match, like as far as Big Dog Dave Meltzer, his match with Pete Dunne got the highest rating at Survivor Series. So he went out the next night after that crazy shit and fought Pete Dunne and got four and a half stars for that match. So that is crazy shit that he went out, him and Roddy and the Undisputed Era all wrestled the next day and and Keith Lee too. So. Yeah, so I, I just can't believe you would ask these guys to wrestle a war games match and then ask them to wrestle again the next night. That's that's in that's in fucking insane. Yeah, You're right, Pat. I was going to bring that up, so I'm glad you brought that up. The fact that the next night, several of those guys had really good matches. The next night, <laughs> two. <laughs> All right, Joe. You have a stumper for us, which is going to bring us actually to the end of our show, amazingly, because we do not have a yeah. Mount Rushmore this week. So, Joe, no, what no. is our stumper? What is our stumper so, question? All right. So before I get to the stump, I just want to give a shout out to our friend, Rob Tob at All Ron Detailing. I'm going to plug this guy. Uh, we've a couple of us have known him for a while. Uh, he's personally yes. worked with me at uh, my current job. Really good dude. He's been detailing for years now. Listen, go on our Facebook, Four Guys Roundtable Show. I have a post on there. It's all around detailing. Click on that link. And if you're in the tri-state area, Delaware, New Jersey, PA, he has his own place. He does some mobile stuff. Listen, if you want your car to look like it was on the showroom floor, he will make it inside out everything. Uh, He's no joke. He uses good products to clean your car. None of the cheap shit. He's got good prices and he will definitely make your car shine for several months. So please go check him out. Go on our Facebook people, please. Um, and check out all around detailing and uh, get your car clean for the spring and summertime people. 
All right. With that being said, so I have a little stumper. Um, who are the two wrestlers who have won multiple Money in the Bank matches? Hmm. I thought this was going to be War Games. <laughs> mm. uh, I think that I is... didn't find any interesting ones. I have a list. Yeah. So I have to go with the Miz. That's one. And who the hell else won a multiple? Edge. Was it Edge? On a technicality, kind of, sort of. Yes. Um, I mean, I guess you're right. He he took it from Mr. Kennedy. So technically, he didn't win two Money in the Bank matches, Edge. Like, he got one. He got one the other way. <laughs> the circ- he went the circuitous route to get the other one. Yeah, he won one and the other one, Mr. Anderson, and they kind of, I forget what it was, something on Raw, and he got the Money in the Bank from him on Raw, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think Kennedy. I think Kennedy had gotten hurt, so they had to get it off of him. Yeah. So Wait, are, is... you, are you saying one multiple Money in the Bank ladder matches or Money in the Bank cash-ins? Ladder matches. Oh. Randy Orton and it's, it, it, well, the second one's the Miz. It's got to be because doesn't he's the current Money in the Bank guy? He didn't win. He he got it from Otis. Yep. Oh, he got it from Otis. Oh, okay. CC Noor. Hmm. So he didn't win. He didn't win twice. So I'm, I'm going to say Randy Orton. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who either of them are. I'll trust uh, Randy Orton from AJ there. I don't know. I'm trying to think who else was in those Money in the Banks because there's been so goddamn many of them now. Um, Has been. Carmella? Was she the other one? Is it a female wrestler? Is it Carmella? I mean, she she technically did win. She technically did win twice, but the first time was also kind of on a technicality because she didn't actually acquire the briefcase. No chin acquired the briefcase. <laughs> well, she acquired the briefcase like Otis acquired the briefcase, just in a little different manner. So then she did. She she is that she is the she is somebody then, Jeremy. So she yeah. did win it. She did win it. So I it's Car- Carmella and Randy Orton then. Jeremy came up with Carmella. I think Randy Orton's the other person. Darth Pat? Any guesses? No, I was going to say Randy Orton and Edge, but I don't think Edge actually did. Okay. So. so between the four of us, we got, at least got Randy Orton, I think. No, Carmella's won too, Jeremy. Like when Joe said that she won it the same way Otis did, like then she technically did win like a ma- the match twice then. So, who is it? So, Car- Carmella is right. Woo-hoo! She won the match. One. <laughs> she won the match. And then I believe the next night on Raw, they took it away from her because of how she won it. And then they had the match again, and then she won it. And the second one is... I can't see Punk. Oh, come Punk. on, phone. Punk. CM Punk. Oh, CM Punk won it twice. I did not know WrestleMania that. 24 and WrestleMania 25. Chick oh. Magic Punk, eh? Hey. hey. <laughs> For some reason, I totally... So that was a good stumper. I'm just glad I got one of them. I was pretty impressed by that. <laughs> so, yes, you, I don't really don't know any your of stumper it. Record is not, your stumper <laughs> record is not as great, but it, you, know, you got point for that one. So I, I actually went back just and, and, and tallied some stuff up. I'm just curious to see if anybody, do you guys know who's lost 
the most <laughs> war games matches? Not a clue. Uh, You're asking Rick the Flair? wrong person. No, it's not Ric Flair. I have no idea. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to fill the dead air here. Yes, that, 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 Ric Flair is one in four. Arn Anderson is 0 oh and 5. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I ain't being your partner anymore, goddammit. Player lose. or Arn would have been probably one of my two choices because they were in like so yeah, many yeah. of the first ones. I tallied yeah. it, Pat. I went through Wikipedia today and tallied it because I was curious who had lost the most times. Wow. That's yeah, crazy. Uh, Arn wasn't, Arn wasn't in like the one from WrestleWar 91 where the horseman actually won because right. he was injured and Larry Sabisco was filling in for him. But Arn was in the losing end of the Sting Squadron Dangerous Alliance match for 92 when Flair, of course, was in WWF. So, yeah, so yeah Martin Anderson, 0-5. Jeez. All right, fans. So we just want to f- finish by saying thank you. We appreciate you tuning into the entire show. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it as we enjoyed talking about it and got to hear us banter a little bit. We had some heated, I don't agree with that um, type stuff going on, which we don't always get a whole lot of, but we did definitely on this episode. Um, you know what, Pat? <laughs> I will say this, Pat, that announce- and, uh, announcers are an acquired taste and some people yeah. like some announcers and some like, just like I like Corey Graves and Joe doesn't. So announcers are an acquired taste and not everybody <laughs> likes the same people. So yes, because I like Ronaldo of, too. too a, bad lot he's not people, a lot of people like Excalibur on AEW, and I think he's an idiot. So yes, well, there's some, right. something that you and Cornette have in common, but um, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't know how much I've listened tomorrow. I, at least some, I just can't yeah. ever remember having this kind of a reaction to him. I, I, just, I, I am trying to close the show. You, you may not. I know. I mean, we can talk about it after it's over. I just wanted Pat to know that there's a, announcers are definitely an acquired taste. Like you know, there's there's people yeah. out there that probably don't like Joey Styles either. And me and Joe think Joey oh. Styles is like the god of announcing. So it's just, just like, why do people. people like vanilla ice cream? That's just disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, so, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> All right, so. Once again, we want to thank you. We don't care where you're catching it, but know that you can catch the video feed on YouTube. You can catch us for an audio feed either on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or even Amazon Music. We're all on all of those, and it's easy to find. You just type in Four Guys or Four Guys Roundtable Show. You will find us instantly, and you make sure you spell guys with a Z so it definitely comes up. Yes. Um, and as AJ likes to keep on throwing the four um, – <laughs> You know, be on the lookout for some uh, possible merch in the near future. I'm not sure how near, but it'll be sometime in the near future. Might catch us wearing it, and then you'll have to let us know what you guys think of this, the stuff that we've come up with. Um, But once again, thank you guys for watching. We appreciate everybody tuning in and tune in next week uh, as we talk about something else that we enjoy. We have no idea what it'll be next, but uh, make sure you tune in. Uh, And as always, we want to say good morning, good afternoon, good night, and we'll catch you on the next episode.